0: Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 76, The Need to Be Unique.
1: The Need to Be Unique, and Steve, you're uniquely still sick.
0: Uh, A little bit, yes. (laughs)
1: Actually not so unique, because everybody is sick Uh, That's true. But welcome, my name is Lori Krieg, and I am the Executive Director of Hole in My Heart Ministries, and we are coming at you from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I am here with licensed therapist and Argyle expert, and my husband, Matt Krieg. Hey. A welcome. And we also have our producer and the most professional radio voice among us, even cold and all, <laughs> producer Steve. Hello. And today we are talking, as was alluded to, about that need to be unique. This is our ninth in our series of ten. We're, we're coming around to the ninth, tenth. How many innings are there? Can you just like go to infinity?
0: Well, you could if it's a tie.
1: Really? To infinity? Axe
0: ratings. I don't think
2: anything would last that long. Eventually (laughs) the sun would explode.
1: (laughs) Explode. Okay, now we're going to be talking about Armageddon today. We're changing this focus. Okay, but we're going to be focusing on this good need to be unique. And in case you are listening for the first time, what our core needs? Like we're talking about this core need for uniqueness. Those are inside that metaphorical hole in our heart. And God put these good needs inside of us in Eden, but the fall affected the perfect world way that we can look to God and have him meet them and everything about our life just supports that process. So instead we take them to idols Uh, and so we go to people and jobs and God's gifts instead of the giver of those gifts to meet those needs and so today we're going to be talking with a very special couple in person about uh, how this need to be unique affects them and their lives and who did we invite today? We have with us Brett and Janelle Beemers. Who this is, is is some of their description of themselves, and I love it. They're imperfect parents, imperfect foster parents, and imperfect adoptive parents, amazed by grace. I just, it's so true. We get that, um, even if we're not walking out the same life. Janelle is a social worker by trade, and Brett is a realtor and works at Lincoln Lake Baptist Youth Camp and is an avid MSU fan. And I had written in my copy, go green, but I don't know if I'm allowed to say that because sometimes that's (laughs) them's fighting words. But they've been foster parents for seven years and adopted five kids and had six other kids place with them along with many other kiddos for a night or two here and there. And I so appreciate uh, just following Janelle. We actually went to school together, actually with both of them, Matt and I did at Cornerstone University. What, what? <laughs> and I've been, I really appreciated following their story and um, just seeing their obedience to the gospel. So Janelle and Brett, welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, we're so excited to have you here and to talk about some of this adoptive foster care life and how you balance this. uh, How how do you see your kids as unique as well as seeing them with this good need to be included? We talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, But before we dive deeply in there, we're going to talk about the question of the week from last week, which alludes to this need to be unique. I feel like I'm like edging on a Dr. Seuss book every (laughs) sentence I say last week and the need to be unique. I don't know. And his sort of half rhymes that are terrible. All right. (laughs) But what is one of your things that makes you unique? What is a trademark of yours? So you guys, like what like helps you feel like, okay, this is me. You put it on or you listen to it or I don't know, maybe you eat it. Brat, we'll start with you. Uh,
3: Like a quirk? It could or be a quirk that's that,
1: like, oh, that's so brat.
3: Mine is definitely my, uh, I don't know, idiosyncrasy or infatuation with even numbers.
1: Really? It's mm. explained. It,
3: that's odd. Whether it's... <laughs>
1: two, four, <laughs> six, <do>. eight. <laughs> whether
3: it's the volume on the TV, <gasps> it's got to be oh. an even number. Okay. Or in the car, or if I'm eating... Somebody hands me a cookie. I either have to give it back or get a second one. No
2: way.
4: He's not. Janelle kidding. messes
3: with me, <gasps> giving me like Skittles There's or M&M's. one M and
4: M. Here's one Goldfish cracker.
3: She knows it's gonna just bother me. So I, if she's not gonna give me a second one, yeah. then I'll give it to a kiddo. That but is. It's awesome. got to be an even number, which gets me in trouble when it comes to like burgers or pieces of pizza. <laughs> you yeah. had two. I want one more. You if I take a third one I'm gonna take a fourth one yeah gotta weigh that out six hmm. yeah or even steps sometimes I will often count my steps that's like going from like the car to the house or something and maybe sneak a baby step in there or take a large step to, <laughs> oh, to man. make it work
1: Matt yeah. can you break this down can you get into the whys of this real nope. quick there okay no just
3: that's nope, just I awesome can't. We-, we can talk
1: later though <laughs> You're my car no <laughs> that's awesome I love it how about you Janelle
4: um I spent a really long time trying to come up with something yeah. and I settled on my need to have a small phone oh. so like all smart smartphones nowadays are like enormous and because I have head. tiny little midget hands <laughs> tiny little hands um and I will go to great lengths to make sure that I have a mm. small phone so I just bought one brand new off a kid on Facebook because I was like my phone is dying and they don't make them small anymore so oh. I, I have to have a small phone I, I will small not. Hands. To match, yeah. Otherwise, that, I can't type, and you can't no. reach the buttons, and <laughs> you have to use two hands to text, and that's unacceptable. That is absolutely unacceptable. You need to
2: go back to the like 2003, like Motorola Razer. Yeah. Yes, the Razer.
1: The, the, oh, oh man. Yeah. Boom, yeah. Boom, boom 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 boom. Text oh, yeah. text 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 text. Oh yeah, Qwerty. was where it was at. Yeah. No, pre-Qwerty. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. not. What was that even called? T9. T9. Oh, T9. <laughs> Matt, what's, I mean, Argyle therapist, you got this fancy have, hair now hair. from Kelly O'Dell who helped him. What's your thing, Matt?
2: I, well, I think it's not the Argyle. We're going to broaden it a little bit. It's Vess.
1: Vess. Which That's is true. funny
2: because I used to be adamantly a hater of Vess, like when we first got married. But now it's like if I'm not in a plaid button-up shirt with my like outdoorsy vest on, I'm in a solid button-up shirt with the Argyle sweater vest on. And so I think it has to be vests. It is your thing. That's my thing. And and I actually really resonated with what Deb said from, from her response. She said, I love to be with young children and with leaders, which seems a bit unique as far as who I passionately connect with. But I also have an odd freckle in my eye. My dad and our middle son and I each have a small brown spot below our pupils and the blue irises of our left eyes. And I have a freckle in the iris of my right eye. It's just darker brown on, on more brown, but it's there.
1: Hang on, Matt. Let me get the plank out of your eye. <laughs> I mean the speck. The speck. Oh, it's me with the plank. Oh yeah. shoot. Steve?
0: Uh, um, well, I'm <clears throat> looking at what Danielle shared with us. I'm known for my love of T-shirts and my touch of boho. I can't not move to music.
1: That's how it's spelled.
0: Uh, yeah. Oh, and my scent. Ah. Everyone who knows me talks about my scent and how they can smell me for hours after hugging me in a good way.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: That <sighs> and she That's says, a good I, clarification. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I guess uh, this explains it. She says, I've worn the same oils for almost 20 years.
1: So is this where you're going to tell us where you're an oiler?
0: I'm, I am. I actually want to bring a presentation of some essential. Oh, I'm Lord. just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, yeah. So I just thought that that was interesting. I don't think I'm known for my scent. I hope not. No. Um, I, for me, I think it's probably. I'm always going to see these obscure movies, art house films, and documentaries and stuff that nobody else wants to go see. And then I talk about it and annoy people, mostly my family, but. <laughs> Anyway. They deserve so, it. Yes, oh, yeah. exactly. I can see exactly. that. I'm like, hey, at least it's not a scent. So <laughs> yeah.
1: there's that. But it's a good scent. Yeah. I appreciated Nate. He said to me on Instagram, which if you guys want to respond to our question of the week every week, you can uh, friend me on Facebook, Lori Krieg, or find me on Instagram or Twitter, or you can email us at podcast at podcast.himhministries.com. But Nate said, I think once someone points out a trademark of mine, I tend to want to switch it up. I like the hat you always wear. Time to stop wearing it. Don't know if it's good or bad, but just find myself doing it. But I do always like that people notice my naturally curly hair that my mom gave me. So that's really sweet. So which he probably doesn't really trade that up. Uh, but I immediately asked him, I was like, are you a four on the Enneagram? The, the need to be different because I can relate to that. Um, I don't I don't really know what's very unique about me. People will say if they go shopping with me they're like, oh, you can pull this off or you can wear this. And so there there must be some sort of the whatever, soft, natural that uh, mm-hmm. Kelly O'Dell dubbed me. <laughs> uh, but I do, I think one thing that people very close to me know is that even though I am smart and can go to these deep levels emotionally, I do very dumb things sometimes. And Matt will roll his eyes at me. I'm still not ready to say some of these things that I do that are really dumb on the podcast. But one day, if we open up oh, Pandora's boy. box of most you can imagine. embarrassing imagine, Like moments,
2: we talk about a lot of stuff. That's you can imagine the level of like embarrassment there has to be there for her to <laughs> not really. to
1: actually <laughs> create boundaries. It is true. So podcast listeners will wait for another day. All right. So for now, let's switch though to Goofball Island. Time for Goofball Island! Yeah. Those of you who have never joined us and don't understand what Goofball Island is, it's just really a time and a place where we intentionally take a vacation from our problems because this show could be way too serious if we didn't add these things in. So, Janelle and Brett, we are going to invite you to play a game alongside Steve and Matt, and we're calling it Name That Slogan. And the vehicle that we are getting to Goofball Island to play this game is Steve's new Chevy truck. Is it Chevy? It was a Ford. Oh, Steve's new Ford truck. I don't know their their slogan.
2: Built Ford Tough.
1: Built Ford Tough. So that is a slogan. So you guys, I am going to give you the slogan. Uh. And you get to, you guys are going to go ding, ding, ding. So I will say what the slogan is, and you guys can tell me what the thing is. So it's uh, the that four of us it. competing yes. here. And okay. So you're going to okay. say ding, ding, ding. Right. One day we'll get a bell. Please, listeners, somebody send us a bell. You
3: will probably get it on our phone. Mm. Are we on
1: a team Maybe. or are we individual? You're individual. Okay, because that's very important yes. to know you, this is in a, competition. a game.
2: It's, it's guys okay. versus
3: girls. With, with slogans. <laughs> uh, well, slogans, Bring it.
1: Yeah. Logos oh, yeah. you
3: would destroy. I would. Slogans.
1: Mm. Okay. We'll see. we'll see. Here we go. All right, first one. Look, ma, no cavities.
2: Ding, ding, ding. Matt? Trident.
1: Nope. Look, ma, no cavities. It's a toothpaste. Ding, 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 Colgate. Good guess. Ding, ding,
3: ding. Yeah. Crest?
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Brett's got one point. Leave the driving to us. I'll give you a hint. It's a bus company. <sighs>
2: Ding ding D- ding! Greyhound, greyhound. Yeah. Oh. So
1: close. <laughs> nice That's growl. So nice.
2: <laughs> All right,
1: Matt's got a point. Brett's got a point. Bet you can't eat just one. Ding ding. ding. Oh. Yes. Lay's potato chips. Yeah, girl. That's it. All right, Janelle. We got. Come on, Steve. Come around. We got okay. Brett, Matt, and Janelle tied with one. Good to the last drop.
0: Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Maxwell House.
1: Yes. All right, everybody's at one, and we have three left. This is not an even number. We're doing seven. Should I lie to you and say we're doing eight? <laughs> Maybe I should just come up with one. Okay.
3: <laughs> I'm what just going to stop paying attention okay. after question number six. <laughs> okay.
1: That's, it just doesn't exist. Got it. We'll leave a light on for you. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, yes.
2: Best Western? Ding, ding, ding. Nope. (sighs) Motel 6. Yes.
1: Ah, All right. Matt's got two. Okay. Now, you guys, traditionally, Matt wins all the games. Don't let him win. Don't let him win. That's true. Okay. Where's the beef? Ding, ding, ding. 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 Oh, that was a three-way tie, but Janelle's voice was louder. All right. It usually is. (laughs) (laughs) Wendy's? Yeah. All right. Matt and Janelle are tied with two. Last one, guys let your fingers do the walking ding, ding, ding. Yellow pages. Yes. Oh, man, we had a three-way, three-way tie. tie. Oh, but you won pages. because it didn't exist yeah. after.
3: But I only had one point, so yeah, now I, I just feel incomplete.
1: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I should give you another chance. Okay. Can I
3: just give my point away so yes. that Matt doesn't win?
1: Yes. Oh, then I'll have, have
3: zero, which I, I feel Who is an even number. Who did
1: you give it to, though?
4: I assume you're giving it to me.
3: I, I will definitely be I giving it to my Okay,
1: Janelle then won right. three. Oh, Teamwork okay. makes the dream work. It really does. All right.
2: flawless record. It's not even flawless. I don't even know what the, what they are. Well, well let's shift hey, now. You two are one. It's fine.
1: That's exactly right. All right, we're going to shift now. Thanks for playing my game, but we're going to shift into the heart, the, to the heart of
3: the matter.
1: Now, Janelle and Brett, if you've listened to this podcast, uh, you'll hear us ask every guest these two questions, which is how is the gospel first good news for you, and how is it still? So basically, it's like, when did you first come to Christ, but then how do you still need Jesus today? Janelle?
4: Yes. Um, So I think um, when you're five, the gospel means different things to you than when you're not five anymore. Um, So I had the tremendous privilege of being raised by parents who were very passionate and are very passionate about Christ. And so I first remember committing my life to Christ back at the age of five, which is very young. I have five-year-olds now. And I'm like, wow, that's remarkable, that childlike faith. Um, but I think growing up, you know, there's a lot of doubt and a lot of questions that come with that. And so I think I probably, um, up until college, recommitted multiple times just to really make sure because I, I don't think there was that full understanding of um, Christ's grace and, and really what he did and how that didn't require me to, to do that ongoing work. Mm. Um so I think that's that's when it was first good news for me, and it just grew and developed. And then um, more recently, well, specifically three days ago, um, mm. was when it just really hit me again. And um, so having kids now and feeling the responsibility or a sense of responsibility for their ongoing well-being and wanting to make sure that they grow safe and protected and um, that they don't um, – they're protected from their own choices and from the choices of people around them. And then by extension, starting to worry about um, their souls and feeling this responsibility for I'm not doing enough as a parent to make sure that my kids love Jesus and to make sure that um, they make good choices and to make sure that, um, you know, they they want a relationship with him. And so feeling this tremendous responsibility and then really being struck in the middle of the night while you're sleeping, I didn't tell you, um, by this sense that, the gospel means that I'm not responsible for that. The gospel means that the redemption of my children is God's doing. um, And it's not, yes, I, as a parent, I have responsibilities and I need to follow through on those. And I do that because I love my children and because I love Christ. But um, the, the weight of that doesn't have to fall on my shoulders. And so I was just really struck by how grace and, and faith is not about how you do things or don't do things. It's about, um, the one who did those for you. Mm-hmm. And so um, really trying to make a, a conscious effort to, to leave that all with, with Christ and let him um, take the anxiety and worry away so I can sleep at night and mm-hmm. so I can um, be the parents my kids need me to be. Um, and so that was really, I mean, really just three days ago, it, it hit me like this is not, the weight is not on you anymore. Like so you can good. you can give it back to Christ.
1: I just hear trust in God, which is such a simple phrase to say but so hard and there's nothing like that with feeling the weight of caring kids that we don't have to feel it Brett how about you when was the gospel first good news for you and how is it still
3: like Janelle I grew up in a a Christian home and we actually went to the same church for a while growing up oh and um, the summer when I was nine uh, I spent a lot of time keeping my parents up at night, asking lots of questions about God, Jesus, the Bible, and really revolving around the question, why does bad happen? Like, yeah. Why are there bad people? Why do bad things happen if God is so good? Mm. Um, not a question that I necessarily have the answer to still, <laughs> Yeah. Um, but one evening at Awana, one of our pastors talked about Job.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which Awana, for those who don't know what it is, it's like, isn't it Baptist? Is it only in Baptist circles? But mostly. Mostly. But it's like for kids to learn about Jesus. It's it's great.
3: Play games, memorize yep. parts of the Bible. Earn badges.
1: And... It's basically like yes. Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts with, plus Jesus. The Bible <laughs> Scouts. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. But our, our pastor talked about Job and just everything that happened in his life. And I was resonating <sighs> with it because there's bad things that happen so many things are taken away from him and yet God was still there Mm. and the Holy Spirit just worked in my heart that evening and just things clicked it's like yeah bad things happen but God is still there Mm. and God still is watching over what's happening and he cares and he is ultimately in control and he's a much better person to have in control than I am because I screw up yeah um and that screwing up hasn't stopped mm-hmm. and to be able to always go back to God is still there mm-hmm. and I am not God it's a good reminder um, for me but also the need is greater kind of like Janelle's answer with kids now like I often want to be God yeah. I want to protect them I want them to just suddenly know things because I want them to know things um, but I'm, I'm not God mm-hmm. and I can't protect them from everything. Um, so doing the best that I can, but also making sure I'm trying to point them to God mm-hmm. so that they can rely on him the same way that I have been growing in.
1: That's so good. So good. And I'm, again, it's the theme of trust for you guys that I'm hearing ring out that is brought about with... The gifts of having these kids, but also the suffering (laughs) that can be produced by having kids, Um, which we can we can understand not at maybe the the amount and quantity and magnitude that you guys are walking with, but in, in smaller ways. But we are, like I said, at the beginning of this show that we're talking about core needs and this need to be unique which we define as delightfully special. So just that we all have intrinsically inside of us, this need to be like, oh, I'm delighted in, in a special, like a positive, special way, not just, oh, you're so different. Um, and we see this in creation, how God patterned us after his unlimited self as male and female, but then also just like none of us, were like little snowflakes. There's no one like another. Um, and we see Jesus in, like, we see him walking out this, uh, this sea, us as unique in how he names, like he's like, I know the number of hairs on your heads and he cares about sparrows and how he calls each disciple individually. So Brett and Janelle, as we're moving into talking about your family experience now, as a kid, how did you feel like what I call echoes of Eden, this like good need to be unique when you were kids? Oh, I'm Go going first again. Lady, ladies first. <laughs> um, well,
4: I think... I was homeschooled. So like by default, I was already different than every other kid. So there's still like some, (laughs) I'm still working through that a little bit, but I um, can think back to high school. And that was when I first actually started working at the camp that Brett now works at as well. Mm. And um, just feeling there a freedom to be who I was and to be um, delightfully accepted for that, regardless of. Um, who else was there at the time? I ended up working there for several years. and I just think um, that was an environment um, for whatever reason, however they fostered that environment, it was where you you could be yourself and you had an entire week during the summer to just kind of build relationships, be with people who are different from you, um, see how see how they were, what did you say? Delightfully special mm-hmm. in their unique way and being appreciated and valued. Um, in my own way, I think that really um, grew in me just a, a sense of confidence in who I was and uh, the knowledge that it, like, it's okay to be different from other people and it's okay to, to have some of the same desires and, and likes and dislikes and whatnot. Um, so I think that to me is kind of probably the most significant example that comes to mind um, from childhood probably.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. And especially going from like maybe feeling not delightfully special in homeschool world. (laughs) Again, we're still working on it. Yeah, it was Uh, great. I know I've no no regrets about my childhood. But But then once going to another place and be like, okay, I both belong here, which those those go together like that Mm -hmm. need to both belong at this camp and with other people, but then also feel unique here. How about you, Brett? Like that? I I guess even if you want to explore both that balance of uh, the need to be unique as a kid, but also belong.
3: I think for me, a lot of it was how my parents like didn't force things on us. Hmm. They kind of let our natural abilities and interests kind of develop on their own. Oh, cool. For me, I was the, the second child. My older brother, I would often look at him and see what he was doing. And you want to be like your older brother and, and be cool like him. Um, but then as they get older, you kind of see, oh, maybe I don't want to do that. Um But some things that I started doing were because of what he did. And my parents didn't say, no, you can't do that because he's already doing that or you have to do something because he's doing it. It was, okay, you show some interest in this. Do you want to try it out? And just really letting us kind of develop on our own, but focusing more on the character piece and being Mm -hmm. kind to people. And um, I guess the uniqueness comes in, the encouragement to be ourselves and whatever mm-hmm. we're interested in pursue that
1: i love that and i'm guessing just in in what you're saying now that that's going to factor into how you guys are parenting now um so can you just give us again i i gave the rundown in the beginning but just the demographics of your home now and then um yeah we'll just start with that sure so um uh, we, in our home right now,
4: we have Devante, who just turned seven in January. Asia will be six in July. Layla just turned five. Amaya just turned four. And Alexander will, well, he's two and a half right now, but he'll be three in September. So you three, adopted- four, five, six, and seven. Oh, my word. They're all adopted. They, they are. They fine. were all placed with us in foster care, and then okay. we adopted them. And um, two of them are biological half-siblings, and the other three are biological half-siblings. So we have okay. a really, um, I
1: don't know, they got some special bonds going on because of that really sweet so when you look at these kids um well first of all why why did you guys choose to say yes to this uh like this is a not everyone says yes to adoption and foster care and it's more of a should like when you read the statistics and things like that but like what how did god stir your heart to want to include these kids into your marriage at first and your family
3: I think part of it is we're a little bit crazy.
1: Yeah, that always you helps. Still,
3: just you got to be a little bit. Um, but growing up, Janelle's one of five kids. Mm. I'm one of six. And having a big family is kind of something we're used to. Yeah. Um, but I know for me, just loving kids was just something that's in me, mm-hmm. a part of me and, and growing up. So foster care and adoption isn't something I was around a lot growing up but as I got older and then was just exposed to people who were doing it I was like yeah that's that's something that I would definitely be interested in and want to do Mm. and then I don't know if I should go with our story or let Janelle share how she got to go for it
4: Janelle sure um well I don't know if this is weird, but like growing up, I would always like, I loved the boxcar children and I loved playing oh, yeah. orphans, which playing again, orphans, yeah. okay, <laughs> we, we got some solidarity. Oh, yeah. So that I, I think like the idea of, of children who needed families was yeah. sort of, I don't know, forefront in my mind. And um, my first, second babysitting job was with a family who adopted a bunch of kids from a bunch of different areas. And um, so I saw firsthand from the age of 13, kind of um, the need that was out there and I think from that point on I probably wanted to adopt and then as a social worker you are in the trenches with kids from hard places and so you're seeing um needs just right in front of your face and and reading stories that that you can't imagine having gone through and that no child should ever have to go through and I mean I think I was we were like three and a half years into our marriage and I was like four years into the career or whatever and um it was like you know what, let's let's pursue this. I'm I'm not ready to consider biological children at this point, but l- let's let's get into foster care. You want to take it over from there, then?
3: Yeah. So, Janelle was doing school. She was working. Um, I was working. And our original plan was to get licensed and do respite, kind of put our toes in the water, so to speak, and kind of get through the season of life, and then mm. maybe do a full. Foster care placement.
4: I was just going to say respite in foster care is the idea that if a family needs some additional support, you're an approved caregiver. You know, maybe they don't have family in the area or maybe they're going away for an extended period of time and they can't just leave them with family. So, you know, you get licensed and approved to to take them for short periods of time. They're not placed with you, but you're approved to
1: to take care of them. So that was the idea. So it is stepping your toe in it. Yeah. Still important Mm. work, but stepping in.
3: Yeah. So we... We finished up the stuff that we needed to, I think I took a training or something Friday and Saturday. So like the 12th and 13th of January. And then that next
4: Wednesday, Wednesday,
3: our license, our, all our stuff got sent to the state to, to be approved, but we were called Friday and I got the call and they said, Hey, there's a three day old at the hospital. The placement that he was going to go to fell through would you guys be willing to go to the hospital and pick up a newborn and i <laughs> I, I just had nothing to say I was like, uh let me call janelle <laughs> tried calling her over and over she was in meetings and couldn't get a hold of her so freaking out like what are we gonna do? Finally got a hold of her and 90 minutes later we were at the hospital. Oh, snap. Like signing the papers and being handed a baby and thinking what did we get ourselves into? So
1: this wasn't just like a weekend landing place. This was this like, was like foster care. Mm-hmm.
4: And at yep. the time, which they probably shouldn't have done, they were like, by the way, he might be able to be adopted. So <gasps> when we're making the decision, we're like, are we ready to be parents forever? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't even know about In this hours. child 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Like, it was, I remember um, crying in an office. I, went, I was at a counseling appointment with a client and then went back to the office and cried with a couple of people like, am I ready to completely turn my life around? Wow. Because if this kid stays with us, I mean, our life is going to turn around completely. So, but we went and we picked him up and that's Devante. Um, so we went, I think, from being terrified, like, what if this is forever to what if this isn't forever? Aww. Um, because we fell in love with him. Instantly.
3: Um. An interesting like tidbit. He was born on the seventeenth, and my journal entry for that day. Um, I just asked God two questions. When are we going to have kids? Hmm. And will I be a good dad? Oh. And I think, like that's the day Devontae was born. Yeah. Hmm. And just simple things like that maybe not too simple.
1: God was preparing your heart to even ask those questions cuz if your heart had been closed off, uh you know, to even ask the question, you probably wouldn't have been able to say yes.
3: Yeah. So I I look at that journal entry basically every year on his birthday and I'm just reminded about mm. like how God is has taken care of us and is continuing to.
2: So so I mean just because my mind is very logistical. I mean, does this mean like you got this call and then you have to like go and buy a crib and diapers and all, (laughs) all of everything that we
4: had baby wipes
2: only because (laughs) I
4: had bought them for a baby shower and hadn't given them like, which they don't let you do that anymore. Like if you're getting licensed for a a infant, you have to have the crib in your home. If you're getting licensed for a a five-year-old, you have to have a well i guess it would be a twin or a toddler bed. You have to have the beds available for who you're getting licensed, but at the time they didn't require it and so we literally had nothing. So we had um friends and family who came over that night and they brought us baby clothes and they brought us, brought us a pack and play and they brought us formula and all that night and it was incredible. It was but yeah, we we literally had baby wipes. That was the only baby gear we had. Now i don't think we have I don't think we have baby wipes, but
1: we have everything else. (laughs) Probably need to stop at Meijer. So was it like Lay's potato chips where it was like, once you pop, you can't stop. (laughs) And so you have Devontae and then you're like, okay. I mean, we're already in. We didn't step a toe in. We stepped whole body. We did the whole self in and no whole whole self out like the hokey pokey. Uh, But what do you, where'd you go from there? So I think, do you want
4: to? You got it. So. When I look at my kiddos, I see the grace of God in bringing them to us and their stories that came to us um, and just the miracles that they are. And I never – I think any child that's born in a family is a miracle. I think just the the simple fact of a child being arriving in your family is miraculous. But I think with our family, it's so visible and in your face. Like it's so obvious that there, the hand of God was working. And so Devante was placed with us um for 18 months before we knew that we would be able to apply to adopt him um so he were, his birth mom was working on a reunification plan and then in July so right around when he was 18 months old um we got a call and was like hey two-day-old baby who's in at the shelter essentially in Grand Rapids and she needs a, a home for a couple weeks while we work out some details can you take her I'm like sure whatever no big deal add another kid I guess it's fine, um, and so we picked her up, and sure enough, two weeks later she left, and then two weeks later we got a call: can you take her back um, for oh, different I mean. circumstances? And I don't, I don't think it's our story necessarily to tell, but um, she came back, and 18 months later we were well. It was closer to two years later, we were able to plan to adopt her. And so that's Asia, um, who's our almost six-year-old, and she is a spitfire. And then (laughs) because we had Asia and because of the circumstances that brought her to us, um, we have Amaya, who's her biological half-sibling, and we have Alexander, who's their biological half-sibling. So um, were it not for the circumstances that brought Asia to us, we wouldn't have those two children in our homes. And then um, Layla is Devante's um, biological half-sister. And so, again, if we didn't have him, we wouldn't have her. And her story is um, she came to us later. She was almost three when she came to us. And so she's got some different history than the rest of our kids who came to us basically at birth. Mm. Um, But, you know, throughout that time, we had sisters placed with us in 2014, and they successfully reunified with their family. And it was, Mm. I mean, we still spend time with them periodically they invite us to different family events that they have and it's really remarkable um that we still get to have that relationship and we had a um well he was 17 when he when he moved in but he turned 18 shortly thereafter he lived with us in whatever year he lived with us um we had two (laughs) sisters live with us in in 2016 and most recently a teenager so you just you have the space and and you see the need and and you get calls and Mm. it's really hard to say no Mm. when you don't There are many, many reasons to say no, um, but there are also many, many reasons to say yes. And so it
1: just depends on the circumstance and, and the call at the time. What I keep hearing is, well, a couple of things. One is God just prying your hands off of your own life more and more and over and over again. And, you know, we, God chooses to do that in different ways with many of us. But I just keep hearing that. And it's just this obedience and this surrender and this trust that we've been talking about. But then, too, it's, you're modeling the gospel story so much. Like, you think about how God came down as Jesus and like he grafted us into his family. Like, the, any adoption story is such a model of, of that grafting and that preciousness that God chooses us. So with this whole theme of like wanting to see your kids both as unique as they are, but also part of your family, which is that you guys have a unique challenge in that, you know, with our soon to be three kids, like they know they came from us, mom and dad, but how do you, how do you manage that balance between both? Like you are unique and individual and yet also you belong.
3: It's an interesting balance, especially as they're getting older Mm. Um, and our five are all biracial. Yep. So they look at us and they're going to know they didn't come from us, but we we're very open about adoption. And um, our kids think when you want a baby sibling, you just drive to the hospital and pick one up. (laughs) (laughs) They want to know why my brother didn't
4: adopt his son. Like, when are they going to adopt Micah? well they they don't have to adopt him he's he's their son automatically they don't that's so understand sweet. that
1: that's so sweet
4: um yeah i so recently um i don't know when it, why it came up but i just started i started telling them um the story of their names and so each of their names are a combination of the name that their birth mother gave them and a name that we gave them hmm. and so just sharing like your middle name is grace because we know that God was so gracious to us when he let us be your parents. And Mm -hmm. Devante's first name um, is Samuel because of the story in in the Bible where I prayed uh, for this child and God gave me what I asked. And um, Layla's middle name was always faith. And so we kept that there because we really had to trust that God would take care of her. Um, Amaya's middle name is Jane and it means God is gracious. And just another emphasis on like, we are so grateful that you're here. And um, Alexander's middle name is Isaac, and it means son of laughter. And that boy laughs more than any other child I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, and so making sure they know, like, what's your history? Where, where do you come from? But also, what does it mean to be a part of our family? What are we so grateful for about you? What is it that, like, and I'll, I'll tell them periodically, it's like, oh my goodness, I just really love this about you. This is one of those things that make me, makes me so excited to be your mom. And you know, trying to come up with different things for each kiddo, um, which can be difficult, but it's a lot of fun too.
3: Yeah. Um, One of our like family themes or mottos, whatever you want to call it.
1: Slogan. Yeah. (laughs) It's
3: um, been when God is generous to you or blesses you build a longer table, not a bigger wall. Hmm. And we've tried to really implement that in our foster care journey and in our adoption stories. Um, but even with our kids to help them see like the world is not just our family, but we're part of something bigger, whether it's our blood relatives or our church family or, um, even our, our work families, our kids come to our places of employment and are loved by our fellow coworkers and, um, getting them out into the community and, and meeting neighbors. So understanding that they're a part of something bigger than themselves, but also like Janelle's been talking about, they are each individuals and they each have their own personalities. And, um, Devante our, our me monster. If What's that mean? If any of the kids are telling a story about what they did at school, he's going to talk about what he did at oh, school and, like, and how
4: super so much more it. awesome.
1: Oh, <laughs> he's,
3: he's also got a very gentle heart and he's going to be the one who, when he buys presents for somebody is going to put a lot of thought into it. And he's, he's already done that. And then like, he's giving me stuff. I'm like, I don't know what this is. And then he'll explain why he got it and be like, Papa, you said this at some point, And so I got this because it connects this way. Oh, like, that's awesome. Um, Asia is like Janelle said earlier, she is a spitfire. Yes. Mm-hmm. She is wanting to be better than everybody. Oh,
4: wow. <laughs> at everything. <laughs> so I, I think in that there's the, the balance of always letting her know, like there's always going to be people who are better at you than some things. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be some things that you're better than other people at. And that that's okay. And that's special. And isn't it wonderful that God made us all different? Yeah. Because if, you were better than everybody else and everybody would be really sad that they Mm. weren't as good as you. Mm. That's hard. Yeah. Layla. Oh, Layla. Layla likes to be the same as everybody else. And so with her, you have to do the opposite Hmm. and let her know like, no, you don't have to pick exactly what Asia just picked. You can pick your own cereal. You can pick your own, shirt um yeah. like you don't have to do the exact same thing she's always looking around to see what did other pick other people pick am i getting the same thing as everybody else um and so we really have to work with her to to so it, it can be things like layla you get to pick first and then asia picks because otherwise she's going to pick exactly what asia picked great. um those kind of things to, to make sure that she knows like your opinion is valued we mm. we think you're wonderful the way you are and you get to have those opinions
3: mm. then amaya Amaya is my princess. <laughs> she comes up to me every day. Papa, am I your princess? Yes, Amaya, you are my princess. <laughs> uh, for her, the the other side is okay. You can you can do things on your own. Like, <laughs> she's very like, Papa, do this for me. Do this mm. for me. Like, Which I probably. You do. a lot you do all of them <laughs> it's okay <laughs> I feel you I get it
2: my girls have me wrapped around their oh, yeah. fingers too yeah. so it's hard <laughs> to
3: say no it is it is very hard but trying to get her to just be more independent hmm. not in the like I want to be needed by my kids yeah but I also want them I want her to have a little bit more of Asia <laughs> a
1: little
2: bit a, a, l- a little bit
3: Asia's got plenty sucks. to spare sucks. yeah um But I also love being her papa. I love that she calls herself my princess.
1: I love it what I'm hearing again it's this balance between like okay you guys you're you're the same like you, there's this equal playing field as you're all our kids mm-hmm. and we love you so that's the whole like belonging piece but then too like kind of I just see you like Steve is doing with the, the volume <laughs> on all of our mics but just wrestling through okay how can we turn up crank up this piece of their character in this person and then maybe turn down this one while still not negating their personality mm-hmm. yeah. uh, with this person and so So that takes a lot of just really interpersonal insight. And I'm sure, again, what you're talking about at the beginning with just this reliance on God for insight and trust with these kids. So if people are listening right now and they're like really getting sparked to want to step perhaps a toe into this whole fostering adoption thing, What would you both say like is a reason to do it and maybe some like things to consider?
3: When people ask me about foster care, one of my first questions now is, have you seen the movie Instant Family?
1: Hmm. And why is that?
3: In the first five minutes of the movie, I both cried and laughed. (laughs) And the whole movie, I was like, yes, (laughs) yes. Like that thought or those questions, people ask those. Hmm. Those are emotions that you feel everything was so real mm. and I wasn't sure if the movie would be more like a documentary or just a Hollywood production, but it was very spot on.
1: What was like one of the emotions or one of the things that people said that really stood out or resonated with you?
3: Um, well within the first five minutes, the, I don't know. Am I spoiling it for anybody? It's, okay. It, it's been out There's going to be five spoilers. Okay. I mean, <laughs> go for it. Uh, within the first five minutes, the wife was on the computer looking at basically like the mayor website for so kids up for adoption. Thing.
4: What's that? that?
1: The mayor website.
4: So, uh, mayor is the Michigan adoption resource exchange okay. and each state has, um, I hate using these, this language, but a photo listing of children who need families. Yeah. And so you can go and again, it feels awful, but you can filter by age and by gender yeah. and, um, see what their needs are and see their pictures. um, and I subject myself to it on a semi-regular basis. Oh, to
1: see who is <laughs> just needing
4: to, Just family. to kind of emphasize, yeah, just to see who needs a, a family. Yeah. So, in the Yeah, movie. so in
3: the first five minutes of the movie, the wife in the movie is on California's version of that yeah. website. Mm-hmm. Um, and the husband's like, ah, you're looking at it. And that that scene right there we've lived that mm-hmm. and there's many other scenes in the movie that like yes we've we've been there yeah and
4: I think there were a lot of time a lot of scenes that made me uncomfortable because mm-hmm. they were so true to home so like I don't like that I thought that but I did think that yeah. um you know you think negative thoughts about birth parents um mm-hmm. sometimes and that's definitely something that happens and I think that's that's to be expected and it's part of the journey Uh, but it's really difficult to watch it on screen but it was very true right um and there were you know you see the honeymoon period and oh I don't think it's a honeymoon period and it's definitely a honeymoon period (laughs) um and we've lived that on more than one occasion um it was very truthful
1: so it's like those moments where it is uh so it's like sweet in the beginning and then you reach the point where they and I've read some things about this honeymoon period because i wanted to understand and maybe it's things that you guys are posting but just that it's sweet and then all of a sudden they reach a point where it's they actually feel safe with you but it can go dark where they they reveal perhaps some of maybe if they've walked through trauma or even just the angst of of feeling maybe rejected is that accurate
4: yeah i think so i think they also um they get in the routine and they want to push the boundaries. And so there's that balance of kind of what's going on. Yeah. Um, they want to behave because they want to do well in your home. And then they, yeah,
1: like you said, they feel safe with you and then they just start pushing. So that is a question that you ask of people.
3: Yeah. And I think just talking with people who are, are in it, whether it's caseworkers, case managers or foster parents, just asking questions and oftentimes foster parents are going to be real. They're going to mm. answer your questions that you ask. They're not going to sugarcoat things because they understand the need for more foster parents and they don't want you to go in with false expectations or, um, just misconstrued ideas of what it's going to be like. Mm. Cause it will, it will wreck you in many ways.
1: Isn't there something like 240,000 kids who are needing foster and adoptive care in the United States? That's like a number that's kind of sunk in my head. Uh, Possibly. Okay. I don't
4: don't know the statistic, but there's a a tremendous need for foster homes, specifically for homes who will take older teens and and larger sibling groups, because it's hard to find a home for like five kids ages, you know, six to 14. Mm. Um, It's a lot easier to find homes for little babies. Us being a prime example. Right. Um. But yeah, tremendous need for foster
1: homes. Brett, you had the day that you brought Devontae home. You said, God, like, when am I going to be a parent? And am I going to be a good dad? And now, and then God, God really started writing your family story. And he had, you know, since before you were born, like he knew what was going to happen. But is it worth it? Has it been worth it?
3: It has. it It's been hard. We have had moments of, Pure elation. Pure
1: We've, elation, yeah.
3: we Our five adoption hearings mm-hmm. with all our family and friends in the courtroom ha- have been magical. Mm-hmm. The, the, there aren't words to describe the feeling of being able to officially call a child who's been in your home that you've given your heart and soul to to be able to call them your child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not your your foster child, but your child. It's hard to put together the understanding that without a family being torn apart, I wouldn't have my family. Yeah, and that that's a constant struggle and something that I have to teach my kids about as they get older and can handle it. Um, but it's so worth it. Hmm. So worth it.
4: And and not just with the kids that we've adopted, but the kids that we've had in our home and that have gone on to other places. Like I said, I look at the girls who were unified with their parents and I am in awe of the fact that we got to sit on the sidelines and, and be a part of that story. Um, it's, uh, the redemption that happened there was, I'm left speechless really because uh, their parents are, I mean, I, I consider them my friends and they've, they turned it around and they were really able to, um, restore their family and um the other two sisters that lived with us we've gotten um texts of the adoption hearing with their forever family and the the just the change that we've seen from when they were with us to to now when they're with their forever family like it was so hard when they were with us it it was really really hard definitely Mm. one of the hardest years of our life um but Mm. i think that we're able to see this far away from it we're able to see the grace that happened through it and we're able to see um again just being grateful that we got to be a part of that story um it's amazing
2: if i can jump in because i mean we we often kind of talk and and go through like different stereotypes for what the christian life is supposed to be and one of those stereotypes you know after like you know growing up getting married is the having biological kids? Have you guys had to kind of fight any 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 of that stereotype? Like, because you guys have been focusing on on adoption and foster care as opposed to having biological children, have you have you felt any type of pushback or questioning or anything like that?
3: I think we've had enough kids in our house <laughs> that people are like, okay, don't you don't have to worry about any. Like, like, when that. you hit
4: five kids, people stop asking, like, are you going to have biological children? <laughs> like, It's like, no, they're they're fine. They've got enough kids. Yeah, yeah so maybe, maybe um, more
2: at the beginning of, of the process.
4: You get a lot of questions and a lot of questions about your motivation. So we didn't go into foster care with the intention of adopting, and mm-hmm. certainly not with the intention of adopting infants. That's just how our story happened. Um... And so people assume, oh, you know, you you went into foster care to adopt a baby. And it's like, no, we went into foster care because we wanted to be a safe family for a kiddo. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there there's kind of a I don't know. I I think there's a cultural expectation that you start with babies and then you move on to, you know, other things. Um, And and this is honestly just how it happened. And Mm -hmm. we we do get questions and people don't understand it. But I think it's just a lot of education. There's a lot of people that don't have a lot of exposure to foster care and to adoption from foster care. And so it's a lot of educating. And once they kind of understand it, I think that is what helps people come around and understand the perspective.
1: Well, you guys, it's been so beautiful. Just really, I just hear gospel all over mm-hmm. you guys. And I hope that, you know, and we know in, in our, just with two kids and jobs, our, our world, it's hard for us to sit back and reflect. But I hope even in listening back to this podcast, if you guys do, <laughs> I know it's hard to hear your voices, uh, your own voices, but just the gospel is is just written all over you in this talking about these scenes in the courtroom about just inviting people in and even how you're talking about how you want to teach your kids like it's not just about them like I like I we want to teach that and and we try to open up our doors of our home but I'm like I'm just challenged by what you guys are doing uh to do it even more and because really you're you're modeling (laughs) how to be the church, uh, which is this beautiful family and, and really us sitting around this table, uh, like we're each other's forever family, but you guys get to be such a beautiful model of that. Um, so last and maybe in one or two sentences, how can we as the church love and support foster adoptive families that, that are engaging this gorgeous gospel process? What do you guys need from the church?
3: The main thing is love. We go to church and our kids act up.
4: So bad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> your face is like, really? It's bad. It's really bad.
3: But we don't feel judged. Mm. We know our kids are loved at church. Yeah. And they're cared for. And other people will will discipline them and correct them. Mm. And They have the freedom to do that.
1: in gentleness. But, and obviously, you know, yeah, yeah. probably more gentle, gentle than permission. we're going to be. I mean... <laughs>
3: but our our church and our family really it, it's one big community. We have mm, a village. Yeah. And Janelle's got a fairy godmother?
4: I do. I have a fairy godmother. She brings my kid clothes kids clothes to me at work. Aww. And so the front desk lady will be like, "Who is that?" I was like, "That's my fairy godmother."
1: She so brings she's brings a, a real kids. person, but she's so, got that Yeah, name, but she's yeah. like
4: she's my fairy godmother. Aww. Um and and she I think families who know foster and adoptive families like be a little bit pushy. Be like, hey, I'm gonna go buy your girl shorts because I bet it's really hard to keep them in shorts. They probably like, you know, wear holes in them all the time. Yes, please do that. Mm. Please bring me a meal, even though you didn't ask if I needed a meal. I am so grateful that you just thought, I probably need a meal, and yeah. I sure do. Um like it's hard for me to ask for childcare when it's not like just for a date night. Like this, I was like, Oh, I I need childcare, so we can go speak of this thing. Yeah. Um, but we have friends who are like, you haven't asked us for child care in a month. You need to go out. Please let us watch your kids. And no so they way. they get in and they are a little bit pushy and and make sure that we know that we're loved um, and really appreciated by them. So they the grace that they give us because oh my gosh, we're so far from a good reflection of Christ. Um, well, but what they we're hearing is pretty. They, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they they recognize it and they they accept us and they accept our kids and mm. um, I think our our church and our families are just. Um,
1: they're there for us when we need it. I love it. So thank you guys for modeling this. And I know we know it's stumbly and messy, Um, but this adoptive, really it's just so reflective of christ and how we are grafted into his family um so thank you for modeling that and then i just like i was i just want to like thank your friends who listen like (laughs) thanks for being an awesome church to come alongside them and god help us to all do better and thank you janelle and brett for being a part of this podcast today you're welcome thank Thank you. you such a gift so for those of you who are listening and would like to communicate with Janelle and Brett just about some of their journey, if you have any of those questions, like Brett was saying, hey, ask adoptive parents uh, and foster parents about the process. And so we're happy to give you, if you reach out to us at podcast at com. I can forward on your information to them. Um, But for those of you who are going to be listening next week, which we hope you do, we'd love to hear from you specifically about our question of the week for next week, uh, which we are going to be talking with Cutter Calloway, who wrote Breaking the Marriage Idol. And we talk about such marriage idols often. Uh, And I read his book recently and just invited him to come on. And so we're going to actually talk about what paradigm did you grow up with around your marital future? So I was actually mad. It's interesting that you're asking that question of them is, was your paradigm that you get married and have babies or or adopt children? Or did you think about how singleness was an equally valuable option? And the bonus question is where did you hear that message and those messages? So I just want to hear what was your paradigm growing up? Was it even like singleness was an option or even adoptive care? Like, was that an option? Uh, so we'd love to hear about that from you all. So to respond again, find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or email us at podcast at uh, I also want to give a big thank you to those of you who share this podcast with other people and um, write reviews on iTunes or wherever you can find it. I was reading through some of those today and was really blessed. And for those of you who email us and encourage or you meet us when we go speak and you say, hey, I'm praying for you guys and I really want to come alongside you in that way. Just thank you so much. So feel free to share with other people um, this podcast and it just helps to, to reach the more and more people with this message of the gospel is good news for everyone, including our amazing guest today, every day. So for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you next week.
0: All right, okay. Brett, let's get you set here.
3: Well, the Rockford Rams are a pretty amazing football team. I love them. <laughs> Thanks, <Tom. laughs> Don Jadwell, the announcer. Are you-
1: Do you guys live in Rockford?
3: No, oh. I've coached there for <laughs> 17 years. I was just going to ask, oh, wow. are you one but of the coaches?
1: Since he was four.
3: <laughs> <laughs> You've coached no there since no you more were coaching. <laughs> a little too much with.
1: So you're not. Okay, with all the kids.
3: Yeah. I helped last year just for games, mm-hmm. but. Nah. Too much.
1: Yeah. That's a big commitment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see. I see the joy. That was a good it marriage was a move.
2: I'm, I'm real happy
1: with that decision. <laughs>
2: A little bit of coercion involved no actually no. we like rockford and the fam
1: yeah
3: but that makes kids sense. love it they love going to the games. So i think they were the most sad oh i said i wasn't coaching anymore but
1: that's a big everyday commitment though
3: yeah when i was doing every practice oh snap because it would practice basically started when <laughs> school got out <laughs> So yeah. Janelle would have to take time off of work to pick <gasps> up the kids, or we'd have to find mm. other people. So a lot and of vacation time was used. Five kids. Well,
4: at the time, how did? Well, I guess we did have five at the time. <coughs> Wait, you have to like figure out what year it was to figure out how many kids we had. Mm, maybe even what weekend. Yes, yeah. also that. But still,
2: it's it's hard to find sitters for that many kids, from what I hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, That's uh, a true watching thing. a couple kids is. Oh, okay. I'll do that for an hour, but watching five is like—you
1: need to have seasoned professionals, um, yeah.
4: or people who don't care too much, and your kids can just run a muck over them.
1: <laughs> do We're guys too. say what we say? We're like, just keep them alive. Yes, that's yeah. a true thing. <laughs> I have
4: very low standards. Yeah. yeah, if you can keep five kids alive, you're great. Please yeah. let yeah. me pay you. <laughs>
1: you take oh, all my good. money. You <laughs> We're left leaving. Jack, Jack with Edna. Oh yeah. <laughs> have you guys seen that uh, one I don't yet? Know why. See, when you have kids, it's way funnier. And he's like, yeah, you saw that part. That part's the funniest. He's like, yeah, I don't know why I'm okay with it. You're like, that's exactly (laughs) how it is. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Why did I give him sugar and pixie sticks? And I don't know who's watching them. Yeah, it's probably not good. It's terrible parenting. Mm
0: -hmm. All right, Janelle. Yes. I've been kind of watching your levels, but just give us a little 10 count or something.
4: I don't know what that means about the Rockford, but that. washing levels sounds terrible. <laughs> washing levels, Rockford and stuff. I don't know what I'm talking about at this point. <laughs> check, check, one, two, three. That's it. Great. <laughs> <coughs>